Well, you guys can be seated this morning. I hope each and every one of you had a wonderful new year, and I know many people were excited to see 2020 come to an end, and with the ending of a year comes the beginning of a new year, and many people take this time to reflect upon the past year and to think about the good things that have happened to them over the year and also the bad things. And, and it's a time where we can dream about new beginnings and, and make new plans and change the things that we've been doing. And it's a time to look into the mirror and, and see what we like and don't like about ourselves and make a plan to improve on those areas as well. You see, the new year is an opportunity to evaluate where we are and to judge if, if we have been successful in accomplishing our goals. But what does success look like? You know, for some, it's having a nice home or, or making a lot of money. For students, it might mean getting all A's and B's in their class. And, you know, maybe you think success means having a wonderful marriage and great children who are just well-behaved. You know, some measure success by their accomplishments in life. You know, maybe they, they were able to climb a, a certain mountain that they've wanted to, or, or they got their work published or maybe it's how their business is run and, and how big it is and how many employees that they have working for them. I think parents find it a success when they're just able to get their kids to bed at 9 o'clock at night. You know, there's nothing wrong with any of these goals that I mentioned, like having a nice home or, or succeeding at work or enjoying a wonderful marriage. In fact, God wants us to have those things, but that shouldn't be our primary goal in life. And today we're starting a new series called Life Goals, and I want to look this morning at what the Bible says I believe our number one goal should be. In 2 Corinthians 5, 9, it says, so whether we're here in the body or away from this body, our goal is to please God. And the scripture I just read said that our goal should be to please God. Yet our culture says quite the opposite. Our culture says, you know what? Focus on yourself. You see, our very own nature is to uh, please in the desires of our flesh. And if we're to live a life that pleases God, then we have to determine that we're going to go after God and allow God and His Word to guide us in every aspect of our life. But how do we live a life that pleases God? Well, I think we need to make sure that our number one goal is that we live a lifestyle of worship. In Romans 12, 1, it says, Because of God's great mercy to us, I appeal to you, offer yourselves as a living sacrifice to God, dedicated to his service and pleasing to him. This is the true worship that you should offer. See, our worship is a response to God. It's giving back to God. And I want you to underline that word, offer. See, Paul's telling us that we should seek to please God by offering our entire life to him. See, every time I offer myself back to God, that's worship. When I offer my love to God, that's worship. When I offer my abilities to God, that's worship. When I offer my service, that's worship. When I give God my gifts and talents and use them for Him, that's worshiping God. When I allow my thought life to be pure and I keep my thoughts on God, that's worship. See, I offer my entire life 
as worship to, be, to God because of his great mercy that he's given to me. See, I seek to please God in every aspect of my life because he created me, he saved me, he's forgiven me because he's given me all these blessings in life. And so when I talk about living a lifestyle of worship, Jesus shows us how to live and how to love God. In Mark 12, 30, it says, you must love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your soul, all your mind, and all your strength. See, we're to love God thoughtfully with our mind. You know, the Italian poet Dante Alighieri, he was deeply immersed in a meditation during a church service when he failed to kneel at the specific appropriate moment. His enemies began to hurry back to the bishop and demanded that Dante be punished for his sacrilege. And Dante defended himself by saying this, if those who accuse me had their eyes and minds on God as I had, they too would have failed to notice the events around them. And they most certainly would not have noticed what I was doing. Right? And so we're to love God thoughtfully with our mind. We're to love God passionately with our heart and soul. And we're, loved, we're to love God practically with our strength. You see, if we are to live a lifestyle of worship, then a lifestyle of worship focuses my attention on God. And there's many religions that want you to just clear your thoughts and empty your mind of everything and just kind of like slip into neutral and, or autopilot. And almost like we pray sometimes, right? You know, our daughter Ella, you know, when she prays over our meal at dinner, I can practically say word for word what she's going to say before she even says it, right? She just goes on autopilot and says it. But God doesn't want us to just empty our mind and all our thoughts. God wants us to focus on him, to have our thoughts upon him, because God is always thinking about you. In Psalm 139, it says, Lord, you've examined me. You know me. You know everything I do. From far away, you understand all my thoughts. You see me, whether I'm working or resting you know all my actions. And I don't know about you, but these verses bring me great comfort to know that God never takes his eyes off of me, that he's always thinking about me. And I know that Jeanette loves me with everything inside of her, but I also know as much as I wish she would, she's not always thinking about me. I wish she was, but she doesn't, right? But God never allows us to drift from his thoughts. You see, attention is an expression of love. Do you remember when you were a teenager and you were in love, right? You were always thinking about that person all the time. Your attention was always on them because you just loved them so much. And then an hour later, you didn't right? Love is a decision. It's fueled by our emotions. It's demonstrated by action towards someone. See, to live a lifestyle of worship, we have to focus our attention on God. Yet there's two things that really distract us from, from giving God our attention, and, and one is that we're just self-centered by nature, right? We think of ourselves all the time, and we want everything to be about us. And I'm talking to teenagers specifically here, right? And we want things done how we want them. And then the other is that we just live in a self-centered culture. But listen to what Romans 8 says. Focusing on the self is the opposite of focusing on God. 
Anyone completely absorbed in self ignores God, ends up thinking more about self than God, and that person ignores who God is and what he is doing, and God isn't pleased at being ignored. So if we want to live a life that brings pleasure to God, then instead of living to please ourselves, we need to keep our attention and focus upon God and live to please Him. And it can be tough in today's world of living the fast-paced life and the constant distractions that, that just come our way, but that's the importance of making it a priority to spend each day alone with God. In Matthew 6, it says, find a quiet, secluded place so that you won't be tempted to role play before God. Just be there as simply and honestly as you can manage. The focus will shift from you to God, and you'll begin to sense His grace. See, underlying simply and honestly there. In the Old Testament, the only place to worship God was to go to the temple. And since Jesus came, He died for us, and He's given us the Holy Spirit. We've, we are now able to worship Him anywhere, anytime, any place. It's simply and honestly. You don't have to work yourself up. You don't have to make any grand gestures. You don't have to do anything. Just be yourself. So you don't have to pretend to be someone you're not or try to hide all your faults and flaws. you got to remember it's God you're talking to. He sees you. He knows everything about you. He keeps his focus on you all the time. And he loves you still the same. Isn't that wonderful? That no matter what I do, he still loves you. He still wants you. So come to his presence. Focus on him. See, a lifestyle of worship expresses my affection to God. See, some people have difficulty expressing their affections. The other day, Jeanette and I were talking about our kids, and Brain's going to be turning 13 in a couple of months, and parents, you understand this. When you ask a teenager a question, and you just get a one-word response, right? It can be, yeah, no, fine, whatever, Right? And Jeanette and I are talking about how guys don't communicate as well as girls do when it comes to their feelings. And, you know, we could ask Braden a question and his response is, yeah, right? And then we can ask Ella the same question and she'll go on for a five minutes just talking and talking until we interrupt her and say, okay, we've, we got it, right? So while some people have difficulty expressing their feelings and some have no problem at all, I I think all of us could express our affection to God a little bit more than we do. And there's many reasons we try to make excuses for failing to, to worship God with our affection, but none of those are really considered important. God desires you and me, His creation, to offer Him our expression of worship. Listen to what Hosea 6, 6 says, I don't want your sacrifices, I want your love. I don't want your offerings. I want you to know me. Did you get that? God's saying, I want your love. I want you to know me. When we live a lifestyle of worship, we're loving God and pursuing to know him more and more each day. Have you ever had a one-sided friendship? 
you know, one where you're doing all the work. You're the one that's calling them, texting them, checking in on them. You're the one that's, that's planning the events and saying, hey, let's go do this. You're the one that's pretty much doing everything. You go the extra mile, right? Because you know that if you don't contact them, they're never going to contact you. You know, we all have had those, right? And maybe we've been that person. I don't know. But, you know, I've had them and I've thought, you know, why am I doing this? Why am I going out of my way and continuing to do this when, you know, they're not showing any reaction and, and doing it for me? And the more I thought about it, I'm like, I don't need that. You know, often we do that with God. We try to give God or offer God a small part of our life but aren't you glad that God says, you know what? I'm not going to quit on you. I'm not going to stop loving you. God is so passionate about having a relationship with you that he keeps calling out to you. He keeps knocking on that door. He keeps saying, hey, let's hang out. He keeps coming and checking in on you because he loves you. And there are so many easy ways that we can express our affection to God by, you know, simply just by saying thank you. You know, we teach our children to say thank you when someone gives them something, but how often do you just pause in the middle of the day just to say thank you to God? This week, our internet had gone down at home and woke up, and I was trying to fix it. And so, you know, the first thing I did was I unplugged the router, plugged it back in, and hoping that would do it, and that didn't do it. And so I thought, well, maybe a setting got changed on it. And so I started looking at the settings, and those were all the same. And so I'm like, all right, well, I'll unplug the router and did that again, and that didn't work. And so I tried it again. Three times I've done it, and I'm like, you know what? I'm just frustrated, getting a little upset, and I'm starting to think, i got to buy a new router. Well, the family was still sleeping, and so I'm like, I'll head up to the church and do some work. And so about an hour later, I send Braden a text, and hoping that he's awake, and said, hey, is the internet working? And he responds by saying, yeah, I fixed it. And I replied back, I'm like, I spent an hour trying to work on that thing. What did you do? He goes, I just reset it. I'm like, I did the same thing three times. It didn't work, right? I was so upset, so frustrated, but then I just stopped. I paused, and I was like, you know what, Jesus? Thank you. Thank you for fixing this, right? I don't have to run up to the store now. I don't have to pay a couple hundred dollars for a new router. Thank you. Just the simple things in life that God does for us where we can just pause and say, thank you. You see, I express my affection by spending time with God, by honoring Him with my words, with my actions, by singing to him this morning as we're worshiping, we're expressing our affection to God. See, our problem is not that we don't love God enough. I think it's that we don't truly understand how much God loves us. See, living a lifestyle of worship requires a response from us to express our love back to God. And then third, a lifestyle of worship, it, it seeks to please God. You know, if you love someone, you make it your goal to please them. A while back, Jeanette and I were talking about the different things that we could do on a, a date night, you know, with 2020 being the way it was and everything shut down. You know, what could we do? And 
she began to share how when we started dating years ago, I would do all these different activities and like rollerblading and other fun, adventurous activities. And she says, but now I don't want to do them. And I sat there. I'm like, yeah, she's kind of right. But I laughingly shared. I said, that's because I was trying to win you, right? And that wasn't the right response. But when you start dating, you want to take them to the restaurants. You know that they're going to enjoy. You buy them flowers. You go out of your way to make sure that they're happy. But if you really love that person, you don't stop doing that. You keep going. Because you love them, you want to please them. You find out what they enjoy and you do those things with them because the joy it brings them. See, if you want to live a life that seeks to please God, then you need to make sure that you're involving Him in every aspect of your life. God just doesn't want us a little slice of your life. He doesn't just want Sundays and Wednesdays. He wants to be a part of every day. He wants to be the center of every decision that you make. You know, He wants to be the Lord of every relationship that you have. He wants to help manage your business and help manage your money and your family, your education, and every area of your life He wants to be a part of. And that's why having a family devotional time is so important. In Deuteronomy 6-7, it's talking about God's commands, and it says, tell them to your children over and over again. Talk about them all the time. Whether you're at home or walking along the road or going to bed at night or getting up in the morning, this command was given to help build up the families. See, worshiping God begins in the home and includes all of the family. For the Israelites... Family life and faith were closely intertwined. In the evening, parents taught their children about God and helped them to discover more about their faith. See, a family devotional time means the family's dedicating time to worship God together at home. It affirms to the kids that God's the center of our household. And spending quality time together as a family encourages spiritual growth, encourages families to share their faith from one generation to the next. And a great example we see in the Bible is with Timothy. Paul writes in 2 Timothy 1.5, he says, I remember your genuine faith, for you share the same faith that first filled your grandmother Lois and then your mother Eunice. And I know the same faith continues strong in you. See, it started with Timothy, Timothy's grandmother and then, then his mother and then him. And through the godly parental influence, Timothy found faith in Jesus. There's nothing that pleases God more than seeing a family join together to read the Bible, grow in faith, to rely on one another for prayer and draw closer together as they seek God for guidance in their lives. See, a lifestyle of worship influences others for God. People with influence, they stand out. When a teacher influences a student, they stand out. When a manager influences employees, they will begin to pitch in and, and do things above and beyond what they're asked. When older siblings have influence, the younger siblings begin to do exactly the same as them. We even have social media influencers that help influence us to purchase products. 
You see, on, online influencers have taken off as companies use the celebrity's huge following base to share their knowledge on a specific topic. They'll promote the product, they'll share it on their social media channels and generate a large following of enthusiastic, engaged people who listen to their views. And that's one reason why social media is so popular. People can share their views and influence others. And I believe all of us want to make a difference in someone's life. We want to make an impact in someone's life. We want to know that our life meant something. It counted for something. You know, every day we're interacting with other people. You know, it may be a quick interaction at a gas station or the grocery store, or it can be with those that we see continuously every day at work or at the gym, right? We talk to them every day. We talk about the events that are taking place in our lives and what's going on. See, we have a great opportunity to be an influential influence in a godly way. In 1 Peter 2.12, it says, Be careful to live properly among your unbelieving neighbors. As passionate followers of Christ, one of our life goals should be to influence as many people to come to Jesus as possible. And here at Woodland, we have a mission statement that says that we celebrate God's love by persuading people to become passionate followers of Christ. You know, how we live, how we interact with our coworkers, our neighbors, our friends, we should be drawing people towards Jesus. Liz Curtis Higgs shared her story how two friends used their influence to help her see her need for Jesus in her life. Liz was one of the best-known disc jockeys in America in the 70s at a Detroit radio station. She lived a wild life, actually a really wild lifestyle without God. In fact, Howard Stern one day said to Liz, you know you need to clean up your act. And when Howard Stern is saying that about you, you know you're in trouble, right? By the fall of 81, Liz found herself in Louisville, Kentucky at an AM oldies radio station, just facing the hard truth that her world was just falling apart. And in the middle of the personal chaos that was going on in her life, all of a sudden, she met two new Christians and became friends with them. And these two new Christians were just excited about Jesus and began to share their faith with Liz. These friends kept inviting her to church. And then one day after many invitations, Liz finally agreed to go to church. Liz said this, Though she was skeptical, I was willing to listen because these two friends clearly cared about me. Through them, I heard and saw the unwavering truth of God's grace. I finally believed those words and realized I was loved and I was forgiven. These two friends of Liz, they didn't say that she needed to believe in God, at least not at first. They first demonstrated that they loved and cared about Liz. They showed Liz that God loved her, that God had a plan for her. And by showing Liz that they genuinely cared about her, it opened up the door for them to begin to influence her and invite her to church 
And eventually she said yes. And she attended church and said yes to Jesus because these two individuals who had influence in her life. You see, when you live a lifestyle of worship, you're going to want to learn. You're going to want to share what you have with others. Let me give you a couple quick and easy ways you can build a relationship and influence others. You know, offer words of encouragement. You know, let them know how much you appreciate them. You know, it's amazing that this small little act can make someone feel so valued and loved. You know, send them a card, just affirming them with a note saying, you know, I saw you did this and thank you so much. You know, a little word of encouragement can go a long way. Listen to them. You know, take time to get to know your coworkers, your neighbors. Ask questions about their life and their family, their goals. Listen to their answers and, you know, don't think about what you're going to say next. Just listen to them. Listen to what they're saying. Listen to what is being said. Because the more time you spend with someone, the more you're going to get to know their heart. And if you don't have a deep relationship with them, that's okay. Just ask simple questions, but be intentional. And then invest into them. Buy a cup of coffee for a coworker who needs a little pick-me-up. You know you're, they're going through a tough time and on the way to work. Just buy them a cup of coffee and just say, hey, I was thinking of you. Send flowers to your neighbors or offer to babysit their children so that they can go out. Just let them know that you're praying for them and in fact, ask if you can pray with them. Invite them. You know, when the world begins to open up again, invite them into your home for a meal. Invite them to go to a movie or, or have a game night together. Let them be a part of your life. You know, when people sense that, that you genuinely care about them and you want the best for them, they're going to be more likely to listen to you. Invite them to church. Invite them to watch online with you, host a watch party, and Invite them to join you. You know, because of Liz's friends, because Liz's friends lived a lifestyle that worshiped God, they showed clearly that they cared about her. And Liz was willing to listen to what they had to say about their faith in Jesus because of their words of encouragement, their constant conversations the investment that they had in Liz's life. And because of these two individuals, they influenced Liz to say yes to Jesus. And that day changed Liz's life forever. Your influence changes people's lives. They see Jesus in you when you're living a lifestyle of worship. And it should be attractive. It should be drawing people to Jesus. And so this morning, as we wrap up in prayer, you may be here today or maybe you're watching online right now and maybe you find yourself like Liz where your life is in chaos. You find yourself away from God and you need God. Why don't you make 2021 start off right by saying yes? 
turn the page in your old life. You know, you may be here, you may be watching online right now, and it is no accident that you're, you're watching. God wants you. He wants to be your best friend. He wants every part of your life. And when you say yes to Jesus, it's the best decision you'll ever make. And so let me encourage you. If you want to invite Jesus into your life today, God believes in you. He loves you. And he wants to forgive you of all your sins. And if you just pray along with me right now, he will. He'll forgive you. Just simply pray and just say, Jesus, I thank you so much for loving me, for dying on the cross for me. And God, I don't understand everything, but I do know that right now I need you in my life. And I ask you to come into my life to forgive me of all my mistakes, all my failures, all the things that the Bible calls sin. And make me a new person. God, help me to live for you each day. Help me to experience all that you have to offer me. In Jesus' name I pray. And God, I pray right now for the person that prayed that prayer. God, may they know that they know that they know that you love them, that you've forgiven them, and that they will be able to spend eternity with you in heaven. And God, I also pray right now for each and every other, each and every one of us right now. May our lives reflect who you are. May we live a lifestyle of worship to you. God, where we influence others, where others see you in us. God, may we encourage others. And may they know that we genuinely care about them. And because of our love for you and our love for them, may they want to know you more. God, may this year be a year where we focus our attention upon you. May we live to please you. May we make that our number one goal in life, to live to please you in everything that we do. In Jesus' name I pray, amen, amen. Now, if you prayed that prayer with me today, whether you're here or at home watching online, we have a little gift for you that we'd love to give to you. If you're here today, if you just go to one of the tables as you're leaving and just ask for the book that we have, we'd love to give it to you. And for those that are watching online right now, we have a book we'd love to give to you. And if you prayed that prayer with me today, if you can just email us at office at woodland.church and just say, I prayed that prayer and I'd love to receive that book. We'll mail it to you for free and that book will help you with your next steps and your journey and your faith and help you grow in your faith and discover more about God. And so please, please pick up that book or email us today and we'd love to send it out to you. Thank you so much for joining with us today. And as you go today, please don't forget to give. 
You can give online. You can give through our app. You can give by texting. But our ushers are standing in the back, and so you can drop off your offering and the communication card as you're leaving today. Well, God bless you. Have a wonderful week.